0: Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, a podcast for senior living leaders who are looking to stay ahead of the curve in the industry. On this show, we feature leaders and innovators in senior living who are pushing the boundaries and creating new, effective services and solutions. And now let's settle in as host Jennifer Drago connects us with today's guests.
1: Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries. Broadcasting live from the Phoenix Business Radio X Studio, where we showcase leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of senior living. I'm your host, Jennifer Drago, strategy coach and CEO of Peak to Profit. And my guest today is Dr. Maj Alwan. And he is an independent digital health, health IT, and strategy expert and a noted authority. On Aging Services Technology. I'm so excited that he's here today. You might know the name, Dr. Maj Alwan, as the former executive director and senior vice president at Leading Age CAST, where he was responsible for creating and leading a network of technology companies, providers, and research institutions focused on technology solutions for an aging society. Prior to joining CAST, and I just learned this recently, Maj was an assistant. Professor and the director of the Robotics and Elder Care Technologies Program at the University of Virginia's Medical Automation Research Center. So, we have the perfect guest to launch our podcast here, Senior Living Visionaries. Today, Dr. Alwan um, has his own company. He's recently left Leading Age, and I'm sure they're very sad about that, but now he's available to all of us to provide consulting to a wide range of providers, technology companies including startups, investors, and policymakers on issues related to technology and business innovation in the aging services sector. So thank you so much, Dr. Alwan, for being here today. And how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's a an pleasure you. and honor for me to be with you here today. And I'm excited to uh, be the, the inaugural guest on your show. Congratulations.
1: I'm- Thank you so much. I'm very excited. And there's nothing more important, I think, to senior living providers and to the industry as a whole than the emergence of technology. And technology is really hitting us at a blinding speed. And one of the things that I hope to unpack with you today is how providers can really evaluate technology intelligently and logically, because we all know sometimes technology comes with price tags (laughs) that can break the budget. And we don't want to do that, especially in today's very challenging uh, time in our industry. Costs have escalated. We are having staffing challenges. And we want to use technology in a way that has an ROI, that provides things for our residents, perhaps um, makes them safer, makes them better socialized or healthier, or that provides us with efficiencies in the way that we do things in our businesses. And so those are some of the topics that I know we're going to dig into today and I'm just again really excited to have you here. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So let's start with with technology as it relates to our residents. So tell us about two or three areas that you see technology impacting senior living communities as it relates to resident socialization, safety, or their wellness? Because obviously when we operate a senior living community, first and foremost is how are we protecting our residents, keeping them safe, keeping them happy? So tell us about that.
0: Absolutely. You touched upon very, very important uh, areas, the safety, the socialization, and the wellness. And they're all, believe it or not, are related, right? So uh, safety is a need. While it's really important for the providers, embracing technology in this area or pushing technology down the resident's or the client's throat Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, can be hard. It can be perceived to be stigmatizing. So we really need to be very careful and to make sure that we engage the residents in this process in terms of buy-in and not just acceptance, embracement, because you want them to not just accept the technology, but embrace it, use it, and, and, and to get the most benefit, right? So in terms of safety, there are uh, uh, two or three areas that I want to focus on. Uh, believe it or not, falls are still high in uh, senior living communities, and that's an important area. Of course, there are a lot of solutions out there now that focus on fall detection, uh, which is important. But again, fall detection, the two, two, three important parameters providers need to look at in terms of fall detection. Number one, the accuracy of, of the detection, what's the uh, sensitivity of the technology that's being deployed, i.e., what's the rate of missing a true fall? That should be close to zero, as close to zero as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is the flip side of that coin is the specificity, right? You don't want a technology that uh, alerts to falls, that gives you false positives, a high number of false positives, because that's going to annoy staff and pr- drive them to ignore those alerts mm-hmm. and those uh, signals, right? So that's the second thing. The third thing is the uh, the potential for uh, uh, sort of integration into the workflow to reduce the actual response time, right? Uh, not just how quickly you detected the fall from the, the minute it happened or the, the, the instance it happened, but also how quickly can you send and someone help without necessarily, uh, if someone is living in the community, without necessarily sending the EMS and, and the fire department to break down the door uh, and find out that someone just took off their pendant and, and slammed it on the dresser before going into the shower, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, That's another one. And the third thing, the fourth thing, I should say, is the potential for preventing the fall, either identifying the root causes or the circumstances in the environment conditions that led to that fall so that you can address them and or identifying early signs of increasing fall risk and intervening early on, whether it's with exercise, whether it's with rehabilitation, whether it's with medication review, environmental review, and so on and so forth. So these are the four things that I would touch on folds. Another important area of safety is, uh, as we've all seen over the past few years, is infection control. Measures for uh, infection control, uh, whether those are, again, related to cleaning. And disinfection, whether these are related to verification of cleaning and disinfection, whether they're related to processes, uh, for example, using telehealth, using social connectedness to to reduce uh, sort of the spread of, of viruses or even clinical decision support systems built into the electronic health records and built into uh, sort of uh, reviewing vital signs that may provide the the providers with insights on in the earliest instance of potential infection that they need to take care of. The third area, again, uh, uh, related to a, a broader set of clinical decision support systems, right? Like for example, prevention of, of pressure ulcers in skilled nursing facilities, particularly dehydration, falls prevention, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's, that's the, 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 with regards to the safety, the need. But I always find that uh, socialization is a want. And it's something that is much easier to, to accept and, in, and, and embrace uh, especially when you have a technology that is intuitive, mm-hmm. easy to use, that is easy to train on, and that is multimodal, right? That, that caters for a broad array of uh, older adults with different types of, of deficits, whether it's, it's vision, dexterity, hearing impairments, and so on and so forth. Voice, for example, uh, as one uh, user interface, is a great uh, example. Another, another important aspect related to socialization technologies, again, because it's a want and mm-hmm. a, we are uh, different people with different sort of uh, likes and dislikes, it's important for the technology to be personalizable and customizable mm-hmm. to, in, terms of, in terms of content, but also in terms of, of channels right whether we uh, sort of uh, layer the the content on top of a tv set uh, mm-hmm. through a set top box or <clears throat> or a tablet or a smartphone for those who are more sort of uh, younger older adults who are uh, familiar with with smartphones or uh, vo- voice control devices and so on and so forth
1: yeah, so Madge, you've, you've um, talked about a lot of topics there and um, just want to hit on a couple, but let's start with the socialization piece. So mm-hmm. we know with COVID and the whole pandemic, as senior living communities really responded to that, it left a lot of the residents feeling isolated um sometimes you know in their own units most of the day and i think that's really where we saw it. we started to see these apps that could socialize and connect them to different activities and to each other even before the pandemic but i think right. they really proliferated during that period absolutely so do we know for sure that technology and apps are a good substitute for person to person connection i mean in person connection
0: I don't believe it is a substitute. I beg to differ on the word "substitute."
1: Okay.
0: Uh, technology is 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 almost always never a substitute for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Technology is just a tool that can uh, enhance, supplement, and 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 augment, mm-hmm. and complement whatever we are trying to do. So again. <clears throat> Uh, imagine social connectedness modality that uh, l- eliminates the, the human touch. That is going to actually backfire and, and have a not necessarily unanticipated, and an anticipated actually <laughs> mm-hmm. da- da- downside uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, sort of uh, a lack of human touch. It may work for certain people with certain personality traits, mm-hmm. right? But again, that's why I focus on personalization. Uh, So for example, and that's why I talked about multimodal, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, socialization, I may enjoy having a conversation like this live through audio video. Others may prefer to chat. They're a little bit camera shy and they prefer to, 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 to chat. So again, the multimodality helps you ensure that you are catering for the different sort of uh, personalities and mm-hmm. the different traits, but it's not definitely not a, a substitute. Mm-hmm. And again, when it's when we uh, when we have the right technology and the right content, connecting them to the right parties, right because communications and, and engagement is more it's, it's at, at a minimum a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Right, so it has to, to, to uh, uh, we need to know who they're interested in connecting and in, engaging with and cater for the mo- modalities for on both on both ends. So uh, when we uh, sort of do this right, it helps increase actually the interpersonal con- communications mm-hmm. interpersonal connections uh, and and uh, strengthen it as opposed to reduce it.
1: Great. Great. And I love how you started your conversation by saying we have to engage our community in the technologies that we want to adopt and make sure that they are involved from the very front end of that. But then what you just said, too, is as we're implementing, anytime we can personalize it to the individual user, um, it's going to have so much uh, more impact for that personal user. So that I really like that. I Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I also want to go back to um, something that I'm pretty passionate about, and that's falls falls prevention. So we know, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of providers who are listening to this are well aware of falls detection devices, right? Those, again, have been around a long time from the lifeline pendants, I've fallen and I can't get up, to sensors that can be in apartments that can kind of monitor movement and and drastic changes in movement. What I really love in our industry today are the technologies that are focusing on preventing falls. And I certainly hope that from a resident's perspective, they embrace these types of technologies, right, which don't have to be potentially in their units every day, but it can be something that helps evaluate their gait or their balance or things that, to your point, we can take action to improve before there's a fall. Um, and I, I just love those types of technologies. Are you seeing more and more of those? And do you feel that they're, they're pretty accurate in being able to identify fall risk?
0: Absolutely. They, again, we are seeing a lot of innovation. There's a lot of innovation that involves uh, vision analysis and using computer vision and, and uh, artificial intelligence, uh, AI. Deep learning AI that evolves the models that are uh, being used to model and detect movement and activities, uh, and hence uh, improve, uh, and also at the same time uh, detect falls. Different types of falls, right? Because again, you know that there are different types of falls, mm-hmm. and uh, the advantage of some of those uh, vision-based and AI. Powered uh, solutions is that they can a learn and evolve with time. The more the more uh, sort of instances they see, the better they get. Uh, the other thing is that because they're they're uh, imaging and vision vision based, uh, you can always go back and whether it's via a human or a human in the loop can go back and review the videos, review, uh, review the uh, the few minutes before the falls to see the exact circumstances and the root causes for that particular fall, address those root causes to prevent future falls, not just detect and, and rescue the individual uh, who has just fallen, but try to El- uh, eliminate the causes that led to that fall, that last fall. And we are starting to see uh, an actual reduction in uh, the uh, frequency of falls as a result of using those technologies. So again, now many of these systems are using the human expert to review these these uh, short recordings that be- mm-hmm. right before the fall was detected. But we also are seeing... Uh, uh, te- a smaller startup technology companies that are using machine learning to analyze those scenes right before the falls mm-hmm. uh, and trying to uh, identify the risk factors and provide some decision support for the staff, giving them uh, sort of indications to what, mi- uh, what might have led to that fall. Uh, and, and again, uh, if the staff... Uh, address the, those issues. We're starting to see reduction in the frequency of falls, and hence, of course, uh, liability risk, uh, mm-hmm. costs of of, of care. Uh, take for example transfers to hospitals. If when we reduce the incidence of falls, that's that's going to uh, to decline significantly, and that's that's a cost that could be uh, borne by the senior living provider. Or uh, the uh, uh, the payer at, at uh, in the worst case scenario,
1: right? And that's important, Maj, because we know as senior living providers that um, the healthcare systems, the providers, and the insurers are—if they're not our partners today, they're our future partners. And so, any way that we can add value by doing our jobs better, or I love that you talked about doing a root cause analysis. I come from hospitals and health systems, and we've been doing root cause analysis for as long as I can remember. Whenever there's an event, you do a root cause analysis and you learn from that. And to your point, apply those learnings so that it doesn't happen in the future or it happens with much less frequency in the future. So I Um, love that you're talking about providers getting more skilled in that type of work as well.
0: You know, I'm, I'm a systems engineer. I, I, cannot, I don't have the, the tunnel vision uh, perspective. I always like to look at the big puzzle, big picture. And again, this is especially important with falls because falls is, as we all know, is multifactorial. So there could be environmental uh, factors and it could be uh, medication, uh, polypharmacy, side effects of medications, could be vision and lighting, steps and, and rugs you name it, right? Uh, In addition, of course, to the innate uh, issues related to what you described, Earlier, uh, early on, in terms of balance and and functional abilities and 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 uh, uh, drop foot and so on and so forth that yeah. that could be addressed by physical therapists and and clinicians. So to yes,
1: speak. so this is this is a point that I think you and I were hoping to make today. Which you've already said it once. Technology is a tool. It's not the be all end all. It's not the holy grail. And in your examples that you just provided us around fall. Pre- prevention, really it's a technology potentially matched with um, a human presence that can evaluate all the other aspects of you know, what's going on in the apartment, what's going on with the medications, even beyond what the technology does. So,
0: Absolutely. So, so you're, you're bringing me to the third category of technology that you mentioned in your first question, which is wellness, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about the two extremes. The need when there is a a, a a risk like falls, for example, and mm-hmm. the want when in socialization. But in between, there is there is a continuum of technologies to help in the wellness. Whether that's the uh, whether that's technologies that can monitor and encourage physical activities. Uh, again, ranging from monitoring and counting steps all the way to doing virtual coaches for uh, Tai Chi and physical physical therapy or mm-hmm. even dance, right? Monitoring of nutrition, right? Or, or taking care and looking at nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is especially important for older adults who are known to have uh, multiple chronic conditions uh, who need to sort of, uh, we need to feed them right and, and and make sure that they're getting the nutritious values but without necessarily negatively impacting whatever chronic condition they may have, for example, the soul's content for hypertensives and, 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 and so on and so forth. The third thing is monitoring for biometrics using biometric remote patient monitoring uh, and so on and so forth. And combining all of this, again, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to my soapbox and harp on the, on the want. Making making the contest for uh, the context for this wellness management and chronic disease management uh, more fun than directives, yes. uh, right? Just just instructions. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a a, a politically incorrect word, barking instructions at them. <laughs> we need we need to sort of walk them through the rationale why this is not good for you and walk them through alternatives that are good for them, but they enjoy. Uh, again, whether this is related to nutrition,
1: mm-hmm.
0: nutritious substitutes, or uh, related to Alternative types of exercises and physical activities. Yes, we need to find the sweet spot, and what makes that ma- makes that individual uh, tick, or makes them motivated to take control of their own wellness, physical and mental wellness.
1: Yes. That is a topic I am very passionate about, and probably a topic for a whole nother show. Is you know how do we motivate and, and engage seniors around their health, especially as it relates to chronic conditions?
0: Ga- gamification uh, is 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 a great potential way to do so. Mm-hmm. I I really believe so.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well. I, I have so many other things I want to talk to you about. So let's, let's keep going. And for listeners, I want you to know, we are going to also touch on before we end, how to invoke a process in your own organization that helps you make logical decisions around technology without breaking your budget, because there are so many options. And, you know, where do we start? What are the priorities in your organization? And, and again, Maj has been doing this for a long time and has a lot of advice on this so but before we go there let's now turn our focus away from residents to more of the back office things you know we or or even front lines we know that senior living is facing unprecedented staffing shortages and what do you think are the top types of technology that would help providers improve their productivity or their staffing efficiencies and you've seen everything so you I'll just leave it to you to take that one on.
0: Absolutely. So again, uh, staff today, especially after COVID, the number one uh, demand or request, what? What do you think?
1: Well, caregivers. Is that what you mean? What type? You know
0: of their demand, the demand from caregivers. What do, What do you think is the number one uh, demand and expectation?
1: <laughs> well, they want to be safe um, from their own infections. Inf- from an infectious disease perspective, um, I imagine, and I and I know salaries have gone through the roof. So I imagine that compensation is a big one as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the other one is flexibility. Everybody mm-hmm. wants flexibility this day and age, especially uh, now that they have uh, they and their family members uh, are, uh, have the ability to uh, work from home, work mm-hmm. different schedules, and so on and so forth. So I think flexible scheduling is and self-service and self-directed scheduling is really important and going to, to uh, continue to gain uh, sort of uh, position. The other thing is, how can we make, we, we have limited number of staff, limited hours, we have a lot of processes, so we need to uh, think about how we can digitalize and process Engineer or process re engineer, re engineer processes so that they can take advantage of digitization where you can input data only once and use it multiple times uh, rather than enter it multiple times in different systems. Uh, We need to uh, sort of think about automation uh, potentials like uh, case automation, for example, uh, process automation platforms, robotics in general. Specifically, robotic process automation that can help us, for example, the last two, the uh, case uh, automation platforms and robotic process automation can help us, for example, automate, completely automate and reduce the time, the staff time on things like onboarding a a resident or a client, admission, billing, uh, reprocessing uh, denied claims with insurance, transfer uh, and and, and Uh, referrals, and so on and so forth. So physical robots, uh, again, uh, are starting to gain, especially service robots, whether it's in dining, cleaning, lawn mowing, and so on and so forth, they are gaining uh, acceptance and uh, providing ROI. Telehealth, remote patient monitoring in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, again, electronic health records that are implemented correctly, that where where, uh, you can have access to the same data by multiple clinicians, including potentially coordinating with other care providers and and, and, uh, care partners. So these are uh, some of the ones. And also uh, uh, for those who are on sprawling campuses and and cottages and, and so on and so forth, uh, even in, 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 in uh, high-rise uh, CCRCs, think about the potential of automation and smart home, turning things on and off, automating check-ins, uh, for, for example, auto de- auto-detecting occupancy, and so on and so forth. That's, that's all really important for gaining on maximizing efficiencies using technology.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, I wanna talk about um, at least two of the areas that you mentioned. One, uh, flexible scheduling. I love this as a focus for senior living providers. And we know that there's certainly a portion, the team that can work from home, but there's we need frontline. Of course. We need people in the community. So flexible staffing scheduling works for both types. Is that correct? And, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So some yeah. somewhere where we can help employees to feel that they have direction over their own schedule, or at least over their scheduling requests, makes us uh, an employer of choice or could make us an employer of choice. So that's really important. And those systems have been around for a while. So I imagine that they're pretty well put together at this point. (laughs)
0: And they're getting better, right? They're again, they're they're starting to use artificial intelligence uh, as well into in terms of modeling and uh, the the employees' preferences and and making uh, suggestions or recommendations. And remember, uh, th- this also has a a byproduct, and that is a better work uh, family life balance, mm-hmm. right? that we all um, sort of, um, Sometimes struggle struggle with, right, uh, which leads to uh, satisfaction and higher retention, and we, we all know that this industry is also suffering from a high turnover rate. Mm-hmm. So if we can improve reten- so this can improve retention of our staff,
1: yeah.
0: and reduce, of course, the, uh, the cost of, of recruiting and That's replacing sure. those, yeah. those, those staff
1: members. Exactly. Exactly. That's so important. I bet you made made a lot of people's ears perk up right then because I think <laughs> that's something that everyone is focused on today. Um, I want to ask you about robots. I, you said that you do see an ROI from you know robots. I've seen them most frequently uh, in Arizona in the dining venues, mm-hmm. um, delivering meals. I haven't seen the robots that mow the lawn. I think my husband would have loved that when we had a lawn. But uh, what? Uh, tell me more about the ROI and whether this truly does, you know, replace some some positions that we would otherwise have to staff with humans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, in term in terms of delivery, whether it's meal delivery, uh, it's uh, delivery of mail, uh, mm-hmm. sort of to 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 residents. Or any kind of delivery of medications, mm-hmm. uh, robotics is, is, is getting uh, sort of becoming a popular and, and cost effective way to do it. Uh, it. It allows you to uh, repurpose some of those uh, staff members that were uh, sort of being busy uh, shuttling uh, between, between the kitchen and, and the dining room, for example, in, in the dining example, or, or between uh, the pharmacy and the nurse's uh, station, stocking carts with medications mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. You can uh, sort of reduce that time and uh, uh, get the staff to have more meaningful tasks that involve the residents, so the more, the higher touch, more valuable time spent mm-hmm. with staff, yeah, right. So, so that's that's one of the uh, one of the uh, the approaches. But again, uh, I want to the robotics that are used in disinfection, cleaning, and infection control are also uh, extremely important, and we're starting to see those. Not only being used in acute care and and starting to get into long term post acute care, but also in schools, disinfecting schools after after the students uh, go home, uh, and so on and so forth.
1: I love that. I love that idea. And you re- you reminded me that when um, I worked in a senior living community during COVID, and mail delivery was a huge issue. <laughs> Um, the the U.S. Postal Service did not want to deliver mail to the casitas in our community. And um, I don't think the staff or the residents were keen on coming to get their mail or necessarily having anybody touch their mail. So it was this whole thing that's, I hadn't considered the mail delivery, but that's an important thing. And the reason I, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say the reason that I, um, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the idea of these robotic things. I love the infection control, but I I feel like sometimes we gravitate, we might see providers gravitate towards shiny objects, right? And that's a shiny object. <laughs> it's, you know, it's something that the residents are, oh, that's cute and it's visible and we can get, you know, some even press attention from it at times. But um, is it is there truly an ROI? And so I know that's something that you and I want to talk about is how you evaluate whether this truly is making an impact and is not just a shiny object that you know gives us some exposure? Uh,
0: absolutely, we looked at several case studies last year during the uh, Leading Age annual meeting. We actually had a session focused on uh, robotics and the ROI. Uh, we have seen uh, Joe Felderman uh, is a, uh, a friend and a cast commissioner from uh, Cypress, living in in Florida. He has demonstrated. Uh, that uh, the deployment of robots uh, allowed them to, they were having significant issues with the attracting dining staff. Mm. And especially when they have a uh, young staff who is uh, not trained to carry large trays with multiple dishes or clear Tables. They were having issues with, with training them and getting them to, to uh, onboard them quickly. And when they deployed robots, the, they assigned those individuals to oversee, but the robots are the ones that shuttle, that bus, the plated uh, mm-hmm. trays. The individual just hands the, 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 the plates to the residents and engages with them. They were a lot more satisfied satisfaction on both ends and also a lot a lot less shuttling and a lot less uh, confusion in terms of delivering the right meal mm-hmm. and they were able to uh, reduce the not necessarily the staff, but they were able to uh, reduce the cost of the dining and were able to increase give the, ca- the staff a raise of about 50%, wow. which again lets led to uh, higher satisfaction and more longer retention of for those staff.
1: Perfect. Perfect. And one other area you mentioned that I just want to give um a little shout out to or love to is you know some of the paper processes that as providers that we are engaged in whether it's gaining, uh, getting the admission paperwork, the billing, the claims, the claims denials, even uh, paying your accounts payable. That is an area, honestly, I believe is also in shortage across the country. Is Absolutely. having good admissions and financial services people sometimes, and so any way that we can automate that as an industry, I think is going to bring us um, increased uh, efficiencies and and lower costs. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely,
0: thank you. And this is this is this is why I believe in in the importance of not just digitization but digital transformation, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a comprehensive process that starts starts with digitization, and and goes into uh, analyzing processes, redesigning processes, or reengineering processes, and then automating. Uh, but to be able to do all of that, you need to ensure that you uh, liberate, we liberate the data from the different uh, software system silos and have a data warehouse uh, mm-hmm. and the right uh, uh, application program interfaces or integration engines. And we can pull that data from multiple sources and feed it into our process uh, sort of uh, Uh, automation platform or robotic process automation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, And that's where we can milk efficiencies from all the system, all the components of the systems within our organizations. And moreover, when we have the data liberated, we can utilize data analytic tools to better understand where we are, to measure our uh, performance and our efficiencies, Ah, uh, visualize the data. So that's prescriptive analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, or descriptive analytics, I should say. Uh, we can start building predictive modeling. Again, go on to uh, have decision support or prescriptive analytics to help us with decision support and even automated decision making uh, where uh, where warranted or uh, possible.
1: Yes. Thank you. you that might be a whole topic for another podcast too, but absolutely but but you brought up another good point that I was hoping that we could get across to listeners today is that um, make sure that we're not just taking technology, something that sounds like a great technology application like let's say back office automation um, and slapping it on top of, Processes that stink from the beginning, right? That flawed
0: <laughs> processes, inefficient processes, exactly yeah, that do not take advantage of the fact that you have uh, digital tools today. Right. To right. Do this.
1: So we have to have those interfaces built, the the warehouses, and um and the process has to work right before we put technology on top of it. Technology will accelerate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we have to re-engineer or redesign the processes to take advantage of all the capabilities, the digital capabilities uh, and the data uh, elements that we have at, the, at our fingertips.
1: Perfect. So if, if a senior living provider is listening today who maybe is at the beginning of or early in their digital transformation journey, where would you suggest that they start? To look at opportunities in terms of where technology could best suit them in their organization. We're going to talk about next how we evaluate that technology. But sure. what what would be the area we've talked about so many today?
0: Sure. Well, again, there is no one size that fits all, right? You have uh, providers come in all uh, shapes and, and 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 sizes and uh, problems and approaches and opportunities, right? So uh, there are three. Uh, uh, approaches right one might look at the uh, low hanging fruit what what is known as low hanging fruit things that could be implemented quickly at a low cost to solve a problem mm-hmm. right that problem may be may be small it may be big so that's one approach another approach uh, that i see people take is tackling their biggest pain point their biggest problem right, and and putting all of their resources on top of it. In my opinion, both can be advantageous. The first one is advantageous short-term. The second one may or may not be advantageous uh, long-term if you commit to it. I think I'm a systems engineer uh, by training, by uh, mentality, and by approach. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest I, I see the biggest opportunity in taking a strategic look, revisiting their strategic goals, mm-hmm. their strategic plan, identifying the kinds of technology where, where they want to be in which area is it? Is it going to be growth in in home health or mm-hmm. focus on the campus? Right. I, I I believe that they need to figure that out and then link each of the strategic goals to an array of enabling technologies that are going to be key to advance that goal. So, for example, uh, telehealth uh, and medication management, if they want to be the the known provider who uh, takes care of uh, chronically ill individuals, whether it's on campus or uh, off campus, Mm -hmm. right? Tools for uh, home care and home health staffing and sta- and, and scheduling. If they're going to go outside the uh, the campus, mm-hmm. uh, engagement tools and modalities that link those clients to the organization and helps them become uh, loyal clients and customers, and also good referral sources for additional clients, right, in in the community Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So I firmly believe in strategic planning, ingraining technology into strategic planning and conducting strategic IT planning, preparing the infrastructure to be able and capable of supporting all of the different technologies that they're going to layer and cater for a a well-known certainty, and that is the increasing demand on bandwidths which is exponential. It increases by 50%
1: year over year. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I have to say, you've spoken to my heart. I'm a strategic planning consultant. And um, so I love that you said, get your strategic plan in place, your vision of where you're taking your organization and then layer the technology on top of that, where it's going to help advance your strategic goals. And I also love the idea of having a strategic IT plan uh, you know, underneath your strategic plan. Um, so I think we're very much in alignment there. And what great advice as a third takeaway from today, which is make sure your technology is supporting your strategic goals. Um, and in our final minutes, I want to ask you, and I know this is a hard question to ask to answer in a really succinct time period, but what kind of process would you recommend a provider have in place to evaluate? Technology. So, say you know we'll use your home care um, example. If they really want to build their home care um, and related um, services, and they have a number of technologies that they want to evaluate, what would what would a process look like that would help them evaluate? You know, not just the cost, but the different um, capabilities of the systems, the ROI, things like that. Well, this is something that
0: we've done uh, that I helped build uh, at Leading Age Cast for the past uh, at least eleven years. (laughs) So we have actually. I used to get this question a lot. Uh, I'm a I'm a CCRC. I'm planning to implement telehealth. What's the best telehealth uh, uh, solution that that that's out there, right? Uh, And again, the, the 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 first step is to identify. Where do you want to deploy telehealth? Is it just in home health? Uh, is it just in uh, on campus? That's that's the first step. Uh, the second step is what are the functionalities and features that I really need in this technology, based on not only the care setting but also the population that I'm serving. What are the uh, the common chronic conditions? Uh, that I'm planning to tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. Or my team is uh, sort of specialized in addressing. What kind of integrations do I need? So for example, if I have an an, an electronic health record already, and I'm looking for a telehealth, and I'm not planning to change that, uh, that EHR because uh, I love it, my staff love it, I need to ensure that the technology I'm selecting also integrates seamlessly, mm-hmm. or the vendor is willing to build a custom integration and and prove it to me before I commit to purchasing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it, so again soliciting those requirements from a planning multidisciplinary planning team mm-hmm. from every department that solution is going to touch, including the billing, for example, including mm-hmm. the, the IT. Uh, and it's not, it shouldn't be led by IT. It should be led by the, the business leader of that uh, team who's going to deploy this. Uh, and so on and so forth. So what we've done is built over... 13 of these technology selection tools, ranging from social connectedness uh-huh. all the way to uh, uh, electronic health records and even health information exchange. Uh, we asked the vendors who are out there over two to 300 questions uh, like this, mostly yes, no questions. And we also asked about uh, how long the company has been in in in, in on the market? How many uh, clients or uh, organizations they are serving?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, 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 if they have case studies and 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 so on and so forth, and we put this in uh, online selection tools that helps them quickly uh, sort of narrow it down and get a short list of potential vendors. Uh, all of this is available and. Even the the background that I talked about, the process is described in a white paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those who are busy, there is an interactive uh, yes, no question driven uh, tool that can give you an idea about this process in like 10 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. There is also an interactive selection tool that works on this huge matrix of of vendors and uh, solutions. Also a set of case studies from providers who have implemented these kinds of technologies. So oh. all of these are available to providers in addition to uh, additional tools on cybersecurity, on strategic planning, strategic uh, st- uh, strategic IT planning, mm-hmm. uh, and so on, and, and even digital transformation, which was the, uh, the crown jewel, as I call it, uh, that sort of uh, sits on top of all of these resources that we built, for providers, and they're all available on, uh, sort of online for free on leadingage.org under the technology topic uh, and issue uh, uh, sort of tab.
1: Perfect. So leadingage.org, and then under the technology tab, and, um, and uh, issue, issues and topic,
0: and then you select technology. Issues yes.
1: and topic. Okay, and then technology. And there is a wide variety, as Dr. Alwyn suggested, of Resources, um, but if you want to get really clear on a process that your organization can use to select technologies and then, to your point, help narrow down that selection, it's all there for the taking. So, Dr. Alwan has left Leading Age CAST, but left all of those resources behind, and so we're so thankful for you and and your team and the work that you've done. Um, you. And I know Leading Age will continue to do in this area. Absolutely, so Dr. Dr. Allan. As we close tell us what you're doing today the types of type of work that you're doing today and how folks can get in touch with you if they would like to engage your services
0: absolutely I'm working and uh, uh, providing uh, strategic guidance to uh, startup companies, uh, a couple of startup companies. Uh, I'm also uh, providing guidance and uh, consulting to a couple of of established uh, companies who are growing, uh, they're trying to grow their footprint into uh, the senior living vertical. I am also passionate about advocating for electronic health records and telehealth. I'm volunteering my time on a couple, uh, two or three coalitions uh, related to this. And I'm I'm always uh, sort of, uh, I'm also helping one provider tackle this selection, specifically uh, technology selection issue. Uh, They're looking to replace their uh, EHR, and I'm here and happy to help. Uh, any of your clients, they can reach me on LinkedIn. Just search for Majd All1 and they can message me o- over there. I would be more than happy to help.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for everything, all the knowledge that you've imparted and shared with us today. I've Absolutely. Learned, I've learned so much. Every conversation I have with you, I learn so much. And uh, I just want to, again, thank you for your time. I know that our listeners have enjoyed this as much as I have.
0: Thank you. you it's been a pleasure.
1: You bet. So you've been listening to Senior Living Visionaries podcast and radio show. I'm Jennifer Drago, and I hope you will join us next time as we continue to explore the cutting-edge ideas and breakthroughs shaping the future of the senior living industry. Thanks so much for listening, and please subscribe to Senior Living Visionaries on your favorite podcast platform. We'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Senior Living Visionaries podcast and radio show where we showcase the leaders and innovators in the industry who are pushing the boundaries and setting the stage for the future in senior living and services. Join us next time as we share the bold ideas and breakthroughs of the industry's most forward-thinking leaders here on Senior Living Visionaries.